this morning. Um, Jamie kind of already referenced this or mentioned this, but uh, it, is, it is so cool. It's so amazing to go to someplace else, to walk into another place and with other people and uh, have family. Like, that's one of the great parts of the gospel that I think often gets missed is, yes, it's about our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but he calls us into having brothers and sisters and to go someplace else and see the gospel at work in you uh, and to be a part of this and to come get a chance to talk about discipleship and about really at the end of the day to talk about Jesus. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. I hope that's what you're here for. Uh, and if it's not, I hope at the end of our time together um, that you realize this is what I was here for, is to hear about Jesus Christ. So um, really, really awesome. Uh, I appreciate him taking a break and teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. He told me that he just felt like it was too, um, y'all had just been, it was too lighthearted, too just easy, like simple, um, you know, upbeat. And he said, you know, I really need somebody to come bring a heavy, hard, realistic message for me. And so um, give us a break from Ecclesiastes. So um, in all seriousness, though, I do hope that, uh, I hope that you're getting a lot from that. I know that, it, that book, Ecclesiastes, we kind of joked earlier about what well, we could teach on discipleship through Ecclesiastes uh, because it is a heavy book. It's a hard book. Yet the reality of it is we live in a culture that is all about prosperity seeking and we need to know what matters. And so I hope that you see at the end of this even how these connections of uh, things that last eternally, um, man, investing the gospel in other people and seeing that go through them as God builds his family and his kingdom is, is incredible. Um, he also told me that y'all have been teaching through, I think he finished up the book of Acts earlier this year. Uh, and you may remember, and just to make sure this connecting point comes through this, um, that in the beginning of Acts, Jesus says that you're going to be my witnesses, right? Matter of fact, the, the title of the whole series, I believe, was witnesses uh, to the whole world. And so um, clearly, Jamie saw the key component in the book of Acts and the role of the local church as being witnesses. And, and part of how we are witnesses is uh, through discipleship, through this process of making disciples. It ties perfectly together with the uh, Matthew 28, 19, right? The, the great commission, you may have heard it called. Uh, where Jesus says to his disciples, go make disciples. He gives them marching orders, right? He gives them a purpose. He gives them a mission um, for his glory and for the church to continue. And so uh, that's our connection here. And I hope that even things we talk about today uh, take you back to that series through Acts and being a witness. Uh, and I really want to talk about kind of five key things um, that, and this isn't exhaustive, by the way. There is a lot to consider and to dig into in discipleship and what it means to make disciples. But I hope that we get a chance today to talk about just kind of five things that I've learned um, as we've gone. But you need to know something, and maybe this goes without saying. Uh, he mentioned that I lead a ministry called Downline as well as pastoring. But um, <laughs> I am not a guru or an expert in disciple making. Y'all, I'm a guy who loves Jesus and has been, uh, through God's grace, been able to see and have opportunities to share Christ with others, to invite people into my life. Um, to see them know him more and love him more um, and mess up along the way. And by the way, that's part of how God shapes us and grows us in Christ is through discipleship and our, our attempts, our feeble, often feeble attempts to pass on the gospel to somebody else. Um, and so uh, it's just, it's an opportunity. To, I'm, in the, I'm in the trenches with y'all on this. I don't have all the answers, but I've observed some things. And I think some things in God's word that are helpful as well as that connect to, to uh, practical life I also want you to know this, I don't, often when we hear about making disciples and discipleship and you think about that in terms of like it's, a, it's something to do, I want you to know that I really, at the bottom of this, I don't, I don't want something from you this morning. I want something for you. I want you, if you're not engaged in this and you don't have a, a disciple-making vision for your life, um, 
I want for you to taste the joy that it is to, to depend on Christ as you attempt to do this and to see others come into, um, just fall in love with him is really at the end of the day kind of what it's about. So um, if you'll bow with me, I just want to pray for our time together this morning as we jump in. Heavenly Father, Lord God, it is so good to be with brothers and sisters in you. Lord God, people that I know I will get a chance to share eternity with, to celebrate you. Um, I thank you for the good news of the gospel that uh, we're right with you, that we get you, but that we also get a family. Father, I pray that you'd guide my words and our time. I pray, um, God, that you would increase our joy as we uh, pursue your mission of being witnesses through discipleship. God, give us hearts that desire more of you and to see other people know and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so before we dive into the text, I've got a few different passages we're gonna look at today. Um, I wanna give you a quick definition of discipleship, all right, uh, which I'm gonna give you a simplistic one and then two that, that I get from other places that I think are really helpful. Number one, I mean, a disciple is really, since a disciple means follower, uh, that's really what the word means. A discipleship is really the process, right, of being a follower of Jesus who helps make other followers of Jesus. So it's really simple, but there's a lot of questions kind of within that, right? What does that mean? How does that look? What does it mean to follow Jesus? All those kind of things. Um, so I think these definitions, uh, they, they provide a little different perspective, each one of them, um, to help kind of frame this for us today as we talk about um, what it means and what it looks like. So Downline, the ministry you mentioned I work for, defines discipleship like this. So follow each part of this is very specific. Discipleship is truth and life transference, right? Giving it to somebody else. In the context of relationship for the purpose of producing reproducers of Jesus Christ. Now, there's three things I really like about that definition, and that's the reason why we use this in Downline. Number one, it points out that this is about truth. It's about truth transference. What's the truth? It's the gospel, right? It's the gospel and all of its implications. Number two, life transference. I think that's important to highlight because it shows that uh, it's about demonstrating and showing, inviting life on life into what it looks like to follow Jesus in our everyday lives, in every part of our lives, right? It also points out that the goal of discipleship is training up someone, teaching them how to make disciples who can also make disciples. So the end goal of discipleship is not just, I want somebody that knows a lot about Jesus or even is, you know, knows God's word and loves him and, and genuinely is, is converted and changed and all these things, that's great. But I want them, I want that gospel that changed and transformed them. I want them to have a vision that it goes through them into other people. So here's another def definition I'm gonna use. I'm, I'm not 100% sure how familiar y'all are with Jeff Vanderselt. Um, he, uh, you can look his name up later on, but he gives a great uh, definition of discipleship, and he has taught me a lot about discipleship. Discipleship is defined as leading others to increasingly submit all of life, time, work, relationships, finances, sexuality, leisure, etc., to the empowering presence of the lordship of, and, and lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I love that definition of Jeff's because it talks about this idea of submitting all of life, helping others to submit all of life to Jesus, and that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. And that's what it takes to submit all our lives to Jesus, uh, is the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the gospel. It also gives a definition of what a disciple is in a unique way. He says, it's a person, a disciple is a person, that's what it means to follow Jesus, is a person who desires to willingly and joyfully submit their lives to not just Jesus as Savior, but Jesus as Lord. 
I love that. I think that's a key aspect of what it means to be a disciple. So now let's jump in and get back to the question of, so how can I be a witness of Jesus through discipleship? Here's the first point. We must be motivated by the gospel. If you're motivated to engage in making disciples, you're, you're motivated to engage in discipleship by something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are going down the wrong track. It is gonna crush you. You need to operate from the freedom of the gospel. All right? It makes all the difference in the world. Our hearts as to why we're doing this completely defines what we get from it, what it does, and how it honors God, right, as doing this being free from the gospel. So we're going to read our first text, if you'll flip with me, um, to Ephesians, the book of Ephesians. We're going to look real quick at chapter 2, and I'm going to read this to you, Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And you may have noticed this before in other books that Paul has written, um, where he, he makes sure that that your gospel identity is really solid before he starts getting into what you gotta do or what it means to do and to live this out, right? Uh, This is huge. So if you'll follow along with me. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated, uh, and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So. What motivates us for joyful, good works, like being a witness through discipleship, that's a a work, is being free of the weight from having to perform for God. You've got to be free from that through the gospel before you can step into engaging in the work. Um, Christ has already paid for our failures of our sin in our lives, but also our failures in discipleship. Right? He has paid for that in full. He's fulfilled every law on our behalf, given us his perfection before God. Like That's an incredible freedom when we believe that. And we all need help continuing and deepening our belief of that. And that's what drives us into this. I mean, if, if God was willing to do all of that for us through Jesus Christ, I think we can trust him that anything he calls us to do is gonna be for his glory and for our good. It's a good thing. He doesn't need you to make disciples. Do you understand that? He doesn't need us to do this. It's like I said before, I don't want something from you, I want something for you. This is not primarily about God needing you because he can't get it done. And so he needs you because he needs you know, the A-team, right? This is about God blessing you with opening your eyes and deepening your love of the gospel and your love for other people, which all the law boils down to, right? 
doing that through the process of engaging in making disciples, of being a witness through discipleship. Really good stuff. All right, now, so that's got to be, we've got to start there. Everything else has got to flow out of that. Now, we're going to go to our next passage, just a couple of chapters over. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I'm going to read this for us, but Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. This is really where the next three points are going to come from. It says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, the first thing you might have noticed in reading that is nowhere in there does he use the word discipleship. So it might seem like a funny place to go. Um, there's a lot of verses that talk directly about discipleship and making disciples. Um, but I actually think that's part of, right, part of what Paul's talking about in verse 12 where he uses, or in a couple of places actually, where he uses the phrase in the language of building up the body of Christ. Yes, it's about maturity. We're gonna talk about that in a second. But it's also about actually building the body of Christ, building the family of Christ, Right? through the gospel and through the Holy Spirit. Um, so that's part of it. And I want you to see that first. So how does that work? How does that connect with us being witnesses of Jesus through discipleship? So here's the second point. We must be growing in our maturity. Paul speaks, this is what he's talking about here. Verse 13 says that mature manhood, right, or, or personhood, since it applies to men and women universally, uh, is the goal of discipleship. And then Paul further clarifies that mature manhood is like it's marked as it's measured the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So what does it mean to be mature? It's the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Like Christ likeness is what we're pursuing. Uh, verse 15, he says, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So I don't think it's a stretch to say what I just said. Both of those verses say maturity is marked by Christ likeness, by being like Jesus. Um, now I've, Next thing I'm guilty of, and I've fallen into this. I think often in the church, we tend to mark or define maturity based on knowledge, based on uh, intellect, based on an ability to um, read and understand the scriptures, and, and especially sometimes based on the ability to teach and explain the scriptures. And those, by the way, are all really good things that we should all be pursuing. Don't get me wrong. But it's not marked by knowledge. It's marked by the shape and course of your life. Like, what, what does your life look like, right? Um, the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 22, I would say, is a good, it's a good summary of the character attributes of Jesus Christ that we're called to emulate. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So when, when it comes to maturity, you got to ask the question, um, do I know, especially if you kind of consider yourself mature, people tell you you're mature, or to know which way you're shooting and what you're aiming at. Do you just know a lot about Jesus? Or are you actually growing and being like him? 
That's a, that's a huge distinction. Uh, and I'm going to come back to this, by the way. If that feels heavy, it probably should, and I'm going to come back to it. Um, another huge mark of maturity that we've missed is Christ-like reproduction. And I referenced that earlier in those definitions of discipleship. But we even see this in nature, like in biology. Some of you may be scientists, biologists, I'm not sure, so I apologize if I say something that's not technically exactly worded right. But we recognize that one of the definitions of when you're looking, when you're evaluating the life cycle of animals and plants, maturity, part of what it means to be mature is to be able to reproduce, to be capable of reproduction, right, in that sense. So Christ-like reproduction is something that we've missed. And, and, and so it, it applies in discipleship too. Part of what it means to grow in maturity or to be full in maturity is to be able to reproduce Christ in other people. So Christ-likeness is not an end in itself, right? It's made to flow into the lives of others through evangelism, right? Sharing the gospel, speaking the gospel so people can come to know Christ for the first time pressing the gospel further into our own lives and into theirs as we continue every day to grow in what it means to believe in Jesus and to constantly have to repent of our own self-righteousness and our own attempts at running away from God and not following him. Um, that's, this is all tied together. So the, the goal of discipleship isn't just being mature so you can enjoy being like Jesus, though that's part of what happens, and that's good, and it glorifies God, and it is where your joy is gonna be found um, in him but it's also tied to being able to effectively lead others to Jesus Christ, to teach them how to do the same. So the next question I hope you're asking is though, but then what matures us? What matures us? This is connected to that idea of if we're gonna pursue Christ's likeness, what, what accomplishes that? A lot of people have attempted to do that just through sheer effort. <laughs> I just, here's the goal, here's the target. I gotta be, I gotta love, I gotta joy, you know, peace, patience, kind. I don't, I don't think that's exactly the right direction. Let's see, this third point is that we must know and speak the gospel. And I know I've already hit on this once, but there's a theme here. I hope there's a theme to this whole church and your whole life is the gospel is the middle of it. We must know and speak the gospel. The gospel is the key. It's the core. It's the, the power that changes hearts. So verse 15 says, rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. So the core of what grows us into maturity is speaking the truth in love. In other words, speaking the gospel. It's the gospel that grows us into maturity. So I could paraphrase verse 15, verse 15 like this. Um, instead of being immature, speak the gospel to each other, which makes you grow in Christ-likeness. Right? Belief in the gospel, looking at the gospel, gazing at the gospel, deepening your understanding and your belief in the gospel. It accomplishes that growth. And that is, when I talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that's what, it's, it's deeper and deeper belief and resting in the gospel that accomplishes the work. It's what the Holy Spirit does to produce his fruit in us. It's his work to do this. Let me give you a couple examples. Love, all right? You're not gonna grow in love by just trying harder to love, right? Although there's effort that's involved in this. The more I believe my sin has made me unlovable and God loved me anyway, the more I believe that as my own reality and that has impacted me on a heart level the more I can actually love others and it comes out of a natural growth and flow from the Holy Spirit versus just my effort. Patience. The more I believe that Jesus died to forgive my impatience and the more I understand and recognize how immeasurably patient he's been with me, the more I'm able to give patience naturally because I know I'm one who needs patience so I can give it to others. So bottom line, we don't just need new actions. Right? We've got to have new hearts in order to be like Christ. 
The gospel is what gives us a new heart toward God. It's what gives us a desire to obey him in the first place. A heart that says, that looks at Jesus and says, yes, like you are good and your ways are good and I trust you. Now help me. I've got this flesh in my way. I've got all these other things that are getting in my way, but Lord, I love you and trust you. The gospel accomplishes that. It's, it's not, it is, but it's not just the truth that, believer, that unbelievers need in order to be uh, saved and to know Jesus in the first place. It's the truth that we've got to dig deeper and deeper into uh, for our own life, our own maturity, and our ability to reproduce. So if you connect those last two points, okay, the purpose of speaking the truth here is conforming to Christ and growing in maturity so we can reproduce. So let's talk about the next point, the fourth point. We must be committed to playing our part in the body of Christ. And there's a few places we see this here. Verses 11 through 12 say, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So please hear me. The job of those five, diff five different roles, the purpose of those five different roles that God gave is not to kind of give job descriptions for professionals that go do the ministry and that the saints cheer them on from the sidelines. Like, hey, y'all are the real, y'all go do evangelism, y'all go do discipleship, y'all go tell people about Jesus. Like, we're all for you. Look, pass the offering plate. I'm happy to support that. But like, that's your job. I'm not, that's not me, right? That's a, that's a, um, a belief that unfortunately has marked us a lot in the church, in the West especially, I would say. Um, but the point of this verse is to um, see that those specific roles are given uh, so that you, the saints, can grow up into doing the work of ministry, right? Can grow up into the mission together. So yes, God has called us into different roles and different uh, responsibilities, and we'll come back to that some too, but he's called all of us to engage in this together. The job of these roles is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, that we're doing it together not just uh, professionals and people on the sidelines. Uh, verse 13 continues to em emphasize this idea of, of that this is a call for all of us. It says, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and womanhood, to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. So it's not just Christians that work for churches and ministries, but all followers of Jesus. Verses 15 through 16 say this. And again, just to remind you, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, who is into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined together, held together by every joint with which it is equipped. The whole body. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So as we saw in verses 11 through 12, the body's got a lot of different parts. A lot of different parts. We've all got different strengths, weaknesses, uh, gifts, skills, experiences, Desires, passions, like God brings, all, and opportunities. Like, my gosh, think about where each of you go every week. Like, when you leave here and you scatter as God's people in the church, like, you're going to all parts of our culture and society. Those are huge things. That's a whole other sermon that I'd love to talk about. Um, but we saw these things. These differences, though, are huge because the body of Christ doesn't function properly without these things all being employed. Whatever gifts, no matter how large or small, no matter how public or behind the scenes or any of those things, uh, we've all got to have those things and participate in this mission together because the body is not the body without all of the parts of it. It's just a huge concept and understanding um, when it comes to even how to make disciples. It's a work of the entire body. This isn't just a mission for you as an individual Lone Ranger Christian. This is a mission for you as a people of God together as the body. 
all absolutely necessary, by the way, to accomplish the work as Christ wants to see it done. All right, we're going to switch books of the Bible real quick. If you will flip with me for this last point to 1 Thessalonians 2. 1 Thessalonians 2. And I'm going to read to you uh, verses 7 through 12. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 through 12. He says this. This is also a letter from Paul, by the way. It says, but we were gentle among you. And by the way, this is a letter Paul wrote. So it's the church. He wrote this to the church in Thessalonica, and he's uh, addressing them uh, and talking about his time with them. So he's not with them anymore. He's writing back to them, but he's describing this. He says this, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, of how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Glory. So point five is this from that passage. We must be intentional about building relationships. I hope that just jumped out to you when I read that passage. This picture of the relationship that Paul had with these folks in the church in Thessalonica, the people in that town. Paul compares his relationship with them to the relationship between a father and a mother, right? That's a pretty significant relationship. That's a, that's a pretty involved relationship, right? He says, you know, when, we, when I spent time with you, it looked like a father and a mother loving their children. That's, that's a big deal. Um, it, matter of fact, it even says twice. Did you catch He says this twice. So being affectionately desirous of you, so loving you so much, we're ready to share with you not only the gospel, but our own lives, right? Because you become very dear to us. He's like repeating himself. We love you. We love you. So relationship that's based on love is just, it's a massive thing to understand. By the way, this wasn't just Paul's idea. I hope you all know this, right? Uh, Jesus, okay, in Mark 3, 14, it says that he appointed the 12 so they might be with him. It doesn't say that he appointed the 12 so they could just come to his classes and he could teach them all his knowledge, though that's a huge part of what he did with them for sure. But he wanted them and knew that it was important. If transformation was gonna happen in their lives, if discipleship was gonna happen, it was gonna take a relationship. It was gonna take seeing his life. It was gonna take his love for them that they experienced. It was gonna take watching him submit his life to the Father. He knew they needed to see him. And our discipleship is no different, no different, right? There are so many Christians. This is one of the things that I get so passionate about when it comes to discipleship. There are so many Christians, so many, so many people that are going to church every Sunday that are very involved, that quite honestly, all they've ever gotten is theory, all they've ever had is they're, they're just distantly connected to the community, right? You come in, you hear, and you need to hear the word preached, and you need to come in to worship together corporately. You need all those kind of things. You need to go to Bible studies. You need to spend time in the Word in those areas. But all they've done is hear over and over again idealistic pictures, which we should be laying out. It's the Word of God. We're pursuing it. But these pictures that they're trying to pursue, and many people don't ever see up close and personal what it actually looks like to follow Jesus, what it actually looks like to daily have to empty myself and depend on him, to daily be 
repenting of sin, to be weak. People need to see your weakness, not just hear you give the cleaned up version as you share a testimony. Though, though that's huge, we need to do that when we got the opportunity. But, you, but you've got, like, we need to be intentional about engaging in life together. That's how Jesus did it. That's how Paul did it. We've got to see that as a principle for discipleship that we've got to, we've got to focus back in on. Um, we need to see these things uh, come together. Um, the closer the relationship, and think about this just from an, from an efficiency standpoint, the more time you spend with someone, the more impactful you are in their lives. Like the more um, they see what it really looks like, the mess, quite honestly, of following Jesus every day. It is a mess. Can I get an amen? I mean, is that, is that true for you? But it's so good and it's so necessary and he's where life is found. Um, but we've got to help people see the reality of that and continue to fight every day to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, as Paul constantly talks about. Um, to look and see what we value most. And the power of this, Paul references this in 1 Corinthians 3.18. He says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Um, this idea of looking at something, keeping our eyes fixed on something, that thing that we fix our eyes on most shapes us. Right? And, and I... I Example that popped in my head as I was thinking about this. Um, have you ever seen like a couple that's been married together, an older couple that's been married together for like, you know, 40, 50, 60 years, that kind of thing. Sometimes it's not even that long, but, but a couple that's been together for a really long time and you watch them and you're like, they like, they look like each other. Like they, they start looking, they're using mannerisms and gestures and sometimes even physically they begin to look like each other. It's, it's, it's funny how that works. Like the more time that we spend with someone, the more we're focused on that relationship, the more we start to actually look like those people. And the same is true for you. That's how we grow in Christ and that's how we give Christ to others. The more time you spend with Jesus personally, right, in his word, uh, in, in corporate worship, in prayer, in community, in serving, the more time you're spending with him, the more you look like him, kind of just organically. Um, it's true for others as well. The more time people spend with you, if you're spending time with Christ and you're looking more like him, they're spending time with you, they're looking more like, guess who? Jesus. Like that's the goal of your time together. And they're depending more on him. So that's a huge, huge deal. They're learning. People, when they see your life and they're spending time with you, they learn what's important to you. They learn what you value. They see how you spend your time, your energy, your money, your thoughts, Right? As you go through life and have conversations and go to restaurants and sit at your kitchen table. And, and so that learning there uh, is, in a real sense, um, that idea of beholding something, it, it's got to be a huge part of our dis making disciples because we need people to behold our dependence on Jesus. And by the way, that is the focus of it. It's our dependence on Jesus we want them to see, not just our perfection, not just our ability to do it all correctly all the time but to be able to see dependence on him. And the reality is this, if you're spending time with people, and I'm coming back to this word, this idea of being intentional about our relationships, not just intentional about building them, but intentional in how we invest in those relationships. If you're uh, spending time with people on any level, which all of you are, you are making disciples. You realize that, right? They're seeing in your life what you value. They're seeing in your life what you love. They're seeing in your life what's important to you. The question here that I'm asking you to consider is like, look at Christ and let that shape what you see and what transforms you 
so that what people see that are in your life, it'll transform them as well. So let me recap this. In order to be a witness through discipleship, we, one, must be motivated by the gospel. Two, must be growing in maturity. Three, we must be constantly speaking the gospel, fighting for repentance and belief, right? Um, Four, we must be committed to playing our part in the body of Christ. And five, we must be intentional about building relationships. Those are all huge things. So one more aspect of this that I want to tie these things together with. What's the best way to kind of incorporate these things into your life? If you go, yes, like I want to be on the mission of Jesus to make disciples, how do I do that? How do I, how do I bring those things together into, into being a part of my life? Um, I would say this. The answer, first of all, is not a sermon, though I hope it's helpful. Uh, and you need teaching and reading and all those kind of things. Um, the best way to do this, I believe, is through uh, groups. Practically speaking, when you think about the local body here, how do, how do I bring these things together? I would say that what y'all call uh, community groups is a huge practical part. Now, this isn't all of the picture, but it's such a big one. Because engaging in community was central to Paul. It was central in disciple making. I don't know if you noticed that passage I read in 1 Thessalonians. Paul never says, I. What does he say? We. The whole way through, he says, we loved you so much. We gave you our lives in the gospel, right? We, we, we. It's so big. Uh, number one, like, as far as why is a community important? Why is, it, why is it that this happens best in the environment and that, that community is an essential part of me growing as a disciple maker, growing in maturity? First, being in a community group, it's helping you grow in, in maturity because you're able to speak the gospel to each other. When you're engaged in the lives of people, again, outside of just kind of in passing, right, but, but start to get really engaged in their lives, uh, which is part of a community group, you start actually seeing in each other what you're really valuing. You start seeing in each, quite honestly, you start seeing sin in each other. And we've all got it. And we need that because we need the gospel for that sin. And this opportunity in a group is to speak the gospel constantly to each other so that we're growing in maturity. Number one, you get to, de- or two, excuse me, you get to demonstrate the kind of loving community that you're inviting people into. As we share Jesus, I hope that you see that part of what we're inviting them to is, yes, God at the core and first and foremost, but also into community. And being a part of a community group is something you need to be part of so that you can show people what that looks like, to be in gospel community with people, to be pursuing that intentionally, and that you can demonstrate, and that you have a place to invite them so they can be a part of that. Um, And three, being in a group helps you get help as you try to engage others in the gospel. There are a lot of challenges that we face trying to make disciples, just tons. And practically speaking, when you're struggling, the idea of having a community that knows that and knows you and can do these things with you, um, this this is a huge, it's just essential for your growth in Christ. It's to be with other people that are walking that walk with you. Uh, and again, if we're not doing this as a community, when we make disciples, if we're only doing it as individuals and not part of a group, we're only showing people us. We're only showing people a limited picture of what it, Jesus looks like. He needs to see the body, right? He needs to see other people that are following Jesus and what that looks like for them. Um, so it's just, it's just huge. Um, now, I'll say this. We've, oh, I'm getting close to done, but if you need help with this, like if all this just feels really overwhelming and you're just kind of going, man, I can't keep up with that, just get in a group, all right? I, know, I think it's August 4th, I believe y'all have got coming up where there's gonna be an opportunity to invite people, um, kind of some rhythms throughout the year, right? Invite people into engaging community groups. Um, do that. 
if all of this just sounds like gibberish or it doesn't make any sense, get in a group and ask these questions. Like dig into this with people. Like it's just, it's massive. It's just so, so big. All right. One other thing though about those groups, I feel like it'd just be unfair to, to not address this. You need to know that groups are hard. They're great. Like we all, we've all got friendships that, that are wonderful. Being involved in a community group that's really fighting for the gospel in each other's lives, that's really pursuing making disciples is not easy. It is not easy. But I promise you, it is good. It is worth fighting for. It is worth investing in. It is essential, I would say, to your joy in following Christ, being a part of a group that's doing that with you and that really knows your life, that doesn't just know kind of the cleaned up versions that you share here and there. Um, I'm gonna hit on a couple of obstacles real quick as we wrap up because uh, some of the things, I just kind of a, almost a frequently asked questions, like, okay, so in light of that, like I just there's these things that kind of we get hung up on sometimes, and this won't hit all of them, but this is a few of them. Um, Number one, this idea of um, an obstacle to making disciples and engaging in this mission. One of the things that we do is we kind of go, man, I, I feel sort of, um, it kind of feels arrogant, doesn't it? Like telling somebody else, like, kind of like Paul said, like, follow me as I follow Jesus. Like, it feels like um, I'm ill-equipped. It feels kind of like, I, I don't know if I can tell somebody, come, let me show you what it looks like to love Jesus and follow him. It, it sort of feels, it feels weird on some level. But y'all, if the goal of discipleship is showing dependence on Jesus Christ, it's not weird. If we're willing to show people our weaknesses and our dependence on him and make Jesus look good, not us, it's, it's not weird. It's not, it's not arrogant. We're telling them, look, come into my life. Come see, come be a part of a people that's pursuing this together totally imperfectly. We're fighting for this. It's not arrogant to invite somebody into that. Most people's versions of discipleship, yes, I would agree with that. It can be very arrogant. It can be, look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you how to do all these things exactly right. That is not the goal of discipleship. Though we do wanna show things. Man, the work of the Holy Spirit in us, there will be things that we show people that are good and that, need, and that we can model for them. And that's a really big part of it as well. Um, here's another one. I don't, I don't know enough, right? Um, I don't know enough. I, I feel like if I'm in, trying to engage intentionally in a relationship where I'm discipling someone, what if they have questions? Like, I, I just don't know. Y'all, be honest about what you know and don't know. Be willing to say, I'm not sure, but here's the cool opportunity. It's a chance for you to dig in and find out too. If you get questions that you don't understand, if things come up that you're not sure how to handle, that's part of what community is about. Like, go together with people to seek the word of God. Like, go together and say, what does God say about this? How do I think about this? Um, it's just, it's, it's simple, right? But it overcomes that obstacle of, I don't, I don't know enough. You don't have to. You're with the people. You've got the word of God. Go to it together. It's an opportunity to show your dependence on him. How about, I don't have time, <laughs> right? It feels like something that we're adding to your schedule. It feels like something we're adding to our lives. Um, well, first and foremost, I think it's unfair and probably, I, I don't wanna downplay the reality that this is costly. I mean, if y'all remember, Jesus said like, lay down your lives and take up your cross and follow me. Like, die to yourself. That's some pretty intense language. This is not like a, I, I'd, be, I'd be doing you a disservice if I said, this is just so easy. Like, you can, you know, just five minutes a day and you too can make disciples, right? Um, this idea of time is huge. And, and we need to see that we've been called to lay down our lives. However, I will say this that I think makes this helpful. Because it, it, look, this is, a, this is often a very practical challenge. Even when we're engaged in doing all the things, like doing things that are glorifying to God, that are good, right? Loving our family, discipling our kids, if that's our uh, season of life, like whatever that might be, serving in areas, work, like all those are good things, all those are opportunities. But, I, but I'd say 
they can take us away from this mission. But I don't think it's as much a matter of um, adding something to, but transforming your perspective on what you do have and who you are engaging in and the life that you do have. Uh, in Downline, we kind of call this the as-you-go principle. You're already going, right? Like this idea of going to make disciples, each and every one of you are going places every day. So my call to you is be more intentional about how you use that time, right? Um, use it to make disciples and to engage people with the gospel. A guy named Caesar Kalinowski, who's a pastor and, and as a, a leadership in the area of discipleship, um, he offers this helpful phrase. Uh, I just thought he kind of concisely says this. We need to move from additional to intentional. It's just a really simple way to put it. Um, again, I know that there's a lot of other objections. I want to hit a couple of big ones, and I'm going to kind of close with this because at the end of the day, if this last thing is your reality, you're going to find, you're going to keep going. You're going to overcome these obstacles. This is what's got to overcome our objections to uh, living a life of dependence on Christ and making disciples, being a witness of Jesus through discipleship. And it's being and believing, excuse me, believing the immeasurable value of uh, what's going to be produced by your efforts to make disciples. The last passage um, that we'll look at is 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 through 20. Shouldn't be far from it. Paul says this. This is, our, this is a picture of our future and what we're building. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you, the Thessalonians? For you are our glory and our joy. Y'all, he calls these people his joy and his glory and his crown of boasting before Jesus. Like, Paul's life, yes, he laid it down first and foremost, and we must also, out of love for Christ, in response to him. But as you invest in people's lives and you become, and you love them and you see God's love for them and you see them through God's eyes more and more, I hope you're motivated by love for people. For a vision that the reality is that God, this, this season, this life right here of um, struggling to trust and believe God every day and the fight and living in a world that's full of sin and our own flesh that's still full, that's got sin in it, like all this mess is temporary. I hope that you have this vision of the day we see Christ face to face. What this work and this mission of making disciples is producing is an eternal people of God that you will be brothers and sisters with, not just here, not just now, but eternally, together in the presence of the living God, worshiping him. We talked about his majesty and his power earlier. We sang about that. Like, this is an incredible thing. It's incredible to think about the reality that we will be used by the God of the universe, by the power of his Holy Spirit, to bring people from death to life. That's unreal. To be able to look at people, when we stand with Christ face to face, to look around and see God used me to build this and to bring these people here today free from sin, free from tears, free from pain, free from strife and worry and death and all these things, to be free from every barrier between us and God and us and each other. That's what we're gonna get together. And you get to be part of building that. I mean, everybody wants to belong and matter. I, I, I think a lot of our kind of desires boil down to that. As for belonging through the gospel, you get to belong to God, the King of Kings, 
the Lord of lords, the one who loves your soul and made you. And by the way, if you're here today and don't know him, please, please ask someone, seek him, like respond. He's calling you right now to give your life to him, to surrender to him, to surrender to his purposes for your life. And that picture, I want you to be a part of that day in front of Christ. And as for mattering, there's no greater work in all creation. But worshiping God by helping him accomplish his mission to build a people for him that will praise his name forever and reflect his glory perfectly one day the way we're made to. 